0: Welcome aboard, Giants fans, to episode 72 of Talk is Cheaper, New York Giants podcast right here on NJ.com. I'm Joe Giglio, joined as always by James Cratch and Dan Duggan. They cover the Giants for NJ Advance Media. They were at MetLife Stadium on Sunday afternoon and watched the Giants finally get past the Eagles after many years uh, of failing in that department, a 28-23 victory. The Giants are now 5-3 and three at the midway point of the season, and despite some flaws looking like they're poised to be in this thing the entire way. James, we'll start with you. I mean, that was, you know, we had conversation earlier in the year about how this Giants team maybe was different than last year because they were winning games that they would have lost last year. That's what I thought at the end of this one, that the Giants weren't perfect, the Eagles helped them out, but that was a game they probably would have lost last year, and they just found a way this time.
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, that was kind of out of 2015, you know, central casting. You have the back-breaking interception by Eli Manning, and yes, it was a tip ball. It wasn't necessarily, it wasn't his fault, but still, a situation where the Giants need one first down to end the game, and they don't get it. Then you have, immediately, right off the bat, Wentz hits a 17-yard pass, something like, okay, everyone's seen this before. There's going to be a big play and a big play, and there's going to be a touchdown, and it's going to be over. But the Giants, once again, were resilient. They held in there like they have all season long as a defense. They got off the field at the end. You know, I think you I thought Trevor Wade had good coverage on that last pass to the end zone. I also thought that maybe a better throw or something, and it could have been a touchdown there. Eagles would have had a shot and who knows what would have happened after that if they had scored. But the Giants defense, they won three straight games and the defense has been integral in all three victories. And that's something that you were not able to say last year. I think the stat was they were three and eight last year in games sided by seven or points seven points or less. They're 5-2 and two this year, and they're really 5-1 because they lost by seven points to the Packers, but we all know that was just a backdoor you know, cut at the seven. You know, the Packers really dominated in that game. It was not that close. So they are The defense is much better, obviously, and not only are they, are they better than they were last year, but they're winning games now, which is something that I don't think anyone expected us to say coming into the season.
0: Yeah, and maybe it's sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, or at least good in close games, and, and they've been that. And Dan, as you watched that unfold yesterday, I mean, the Giants go up big early. I thought, all right, they're really going to take it to them today. But then, you know, the, the Eagles got back in that game, and the Giants had a, had a really fight to finish it. What? Were, when did you realize, or did it take until Matthews didn't catch the ball in the end zone there, that they were going to be able to get out of there with that win?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think even anyone on that defense who tells you otherwise is lying, because uh things got pretty hairy there it's funny you say they got to such a hot start it was almost uh kind of a blessing and a curse because there was so much time left for the eagles to come back you kind of figured they weren't going to score you know a touchdown every two minutes which is the pace they were on so uh you know things in the nfl tend to even out and, and obviously they did uh you know as james alluded to there's plenty of chances to put that game away and not have us sitting on the edge of our seat and having to have a running game story that accounts for a win and a loss which uh might be a little inside baseball but that's always fun for us reporters um It's just the way this team is, and and I mean, at some point, it's uh, you know, it's more than just a fluke. I mean, they do have something where you know Ben McAdoo said, you know, we believe, and again, that's uh, that's something that you know you don't always want to be in this position, but the fact that they've been in it over and over and come through, uh, it's certainly a good sign at this point.
0: It is, and I think the other thing that that we have to bring up because it is, you know, it's it's a significant part of this season is the NFC is down right outside of the Cowboys. The NFC doesn't seem to have any great teams, and the Cowboys will see how great they are as things revolve. But right now, you know, they're that one team, and it's a muddled conference right now, James. And the crazy part is the Giants right now would be in the playoffs, and they've begged these extra wins. I mean, everyone sees to be between five and three wins. I think 12 of the the 16 teams in the conference. So, you know, Giants fans have to feel good right now because they haven't played great in the first half of the season, but they already begged five wins in a conference where – I think nine wins might get you the playoffs.
1: Definitely. I mean, look, I think the Giants fans, you have to feel great about where you are. They haven't been great. I think there's still a lot of issues with this team on both sides of the ball. But you're 5-3. I think you're right, Joe. That puts you in great position for a wild card. But and we ran this on NJ.com this uh, Monday morning, the remaining schedules for the four NFC East teams. The Giants, they need to focus on trying to win the division still. Even, I know Dallas looks like they're running away with it. It's seven and one, but you know the Giants beat the Cowboys in Week One. I think it was a vastly different Cowboys team than the one that they put on the field in Cleveland yesterday. But you know, the Giants have a win overhand in the Cowboys. They're they're the only team in the NFC East that has a remaining schedule with a combined win loss record is under five hundred. They have a pretty favorable schedule coming up. I mean, the Bengals are going to be tough on Monday night, but then you've got the Bears, the Browns, the Steelers, who all of a sudden are 4-4 four and four and look like they're in a little bit of a mess. So the Giants have got to look at that that December matchup with the Cowboys, in my opinion, and say, our goal is to get there within a game of the division because we're trying to win the NFC East. We know we probably have the wild card to fall back on as long as we keep winning, but the goal should be to get to East. And if you can get to the East... I, This is going to sound crazy, and I don't think this is actually going to happen, but is home field advantage really that far out of the equation?
0: Well, it probably depends on what they do over these next three or four weeks, right, Dan? I look at the schedule right now that James just alluded to. Heading into that game against the Cowboys, which is scheduled for that Sunday night, uh, December 11th at MetLife Stadium, they don't see a team until then that has a winning record right now. Now, the Steelers probably will at that point. They play them on December 4th. The Bengals are probably better than under 500, which they are right now, but that's the reality of it. Bengals, Bears, Browns, Steelers, none of those teams right now today have a winning record.
2: Yeah, I mean, this was the point I think we all circled when we've done this podcast at different times. When you look at the schedule, this was the time to kind of make some hay because they obviously had a brutal uh, schedule to open the season. At the same time, I mean, obviously you throw the Browns out because they're in in a different league uh, than everybody else, but... A lot of these teams, you know, the Steelers are four and four, and the the Bengals are what three, four and one. I mean, they're not that much different than the Giants. I mean, you know, a lot of as the Giants have shown, a lot of games hinge on one or two plays, and I think there's so much parity in this league. The teams basically five through twenty five are pretty interchangeable. So. I wouldn't say you start just you know looking at records and and checking off W's. I'm sure most of these games coming up are going to be dog fights because that's pretty much how most of the games in the league are, and and certainly for the Giants, they've had a tendency to obviously play uh, a lot of close games. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, this is the part of the schedule where if they're going to you know go on a little run and and build a cushion for that tough finishing stretch, uh, you know, this is the time to do it. It is, I,
1: and well, go ahead, James. I was going to say, I think Dan's right. You can't look at the schedule and say, okay, they're going to win all these games, but. I just think, you know, last year when, when the Giants were in the playoff hunt, they basically were there because of circumstances. And they basically, the whole goal was, let's just be mediocre and everyone else will collapse around us and then we'll somehow get into the playoffs. And I feel when they started this season, it was more of a, okay, maybe they can win the NFC East at 9-7 or they can squeeze out a wild card. But they're 5-3, and three, but even with all their issues aside and they have some significant weaknesses – I think now with this win over the Eagles in hand, looking at these next four games, they have to sit there internally at least and say, we have to shoot for everything because everything is potentially on the table for us. Now, I could see them losing to the Bengals on Monday night. I could see them losing to the Bears at home. I could even see this team losing to the Browns in Cleveland because that's just the way the NFL works. But, and I think you're right, guys are right, the Steelers will probably be over 500 and once is healthy and back in the swing of things, they'll probably be a totally different team. But it's all there for the Giants. If they continue to play the way they are, they, I think they should have much bigger goals than maybe what we expected them to have coming into the season, just because of the way the NFC is. Not because the Giants are necessarily this great team, but just because the conference is down as a whole.
0: It is. I mean, this is wide open here, and now they can start believing like we said they are. They're 5-3 at the midway point. Uh, let's talk about some of the good from yesterday that came out of Sunday's game. We're doing this podcast on a Monday and then some of the negatives, specifically uh, with an injury uh, to, on the offensive line. The good, I mean, the defense, again, you know they're not maybe making these great, crazy plays and, and racking up all these numbers, and it goes back to the whole thing Ben McAdoo last week, um, Dan, with the stats are for losers, <laughs> but you watch them every game, you watch them every play, it's a good defense, and they have guys playing at a really high level, like, to watch Janoris Jenkins play every week, he's a really good player. You see why he was paid so much money. Landon Collins obviously taking the leap. Uh, Vernon has done a good I mean, they, their defense is playing well, and if that continues, they're going to be in every game.
2: Yeah, and I think it's really a great blend because obviously everyone likes to harp on the $200 million, and, and that was a, a much-needed investment, and, and all of those guys in their own way have contributed to this defense. But I really think uh, some of the best players are – a guy like Keenan Robinson, who was kind of just one of those off the scrap heap type linebackers that that float around the league every offseason. And obviously the biggest thing that held him back in the past was health and you know, knock on wood if you're a Giants fan. He's been healthy and he's been tremendous. I mean, he's just made he's made such a difference, especially for a team that uh, had trouble covering backs out of the uh, out of the backfield and even that tackle he makes on special teams on sprolls and the punt return. I mean, he just seems to have a knack for always being around the action and, and it was just really a great under the radar pickup. And then you touched on Collins. I mean, he's finding me a safety. who's playing better than him right now, especially now that he's he's kind of adding the interception part to his game, which obviously had been the weakness. And I, I mean, I don't think he's ever going to become Ed Reed as far as a, a safety and coverage. But uh, the fact that he's around the ball and making plays now just takes his game to another level. I mean, he's he's such a tremendous tackler. He had the big sack just to kind of thwart any late um, you know rally the Eagles might have tried to have at the end of the half. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, yeah, maybe they're not the number one defense in the league, uh, but, you know, they've made plays time and time again when they need to. Uh, a lot of guys, you know, like you said, Jenkins and, and some of the guys I mentioned have really stepped up and played well individually. I just think you have to feel really good, uh, you know, about the way this defense is coming together.
0: I think you have to. And, James, when you look at them and, and maybe what they can be as the year goes on, because I think at the midway point it's always a fun time to do that. Like, all right, this is what they are. This is their baseline. You know, what can they get to? I feel like this is where – Giants fans have to start saying, you know, wow. I mean, this defense hasn't quite come together perfectly yet, but they're pretty good. Imagine if they could take one more leap. Do you think that's in them?
1: It's tough to say. I, if if Darian Thompson was had been lim, you know, had played on on Sunday, I would say yes. But I, I think his injury is one that I think if they have him back on the field, that's the big leap, in my opinion. I don't know what you guys feel. I just think in terms of coverage, because look. Zach Ertz, who has basically been in the witness protection program this season for the Eagles, he comes up and has a 100-yard receiving day. You know, Trey Burton got going early on in the game. This is a team that they still give up 364 yards passing to Carson Wentz. A lot of it was dinking and dunk, the tight ends across the middle. So in, in the absence of that, I, I think this defense, like, they, all, they obviously can improve in tackling in some areas. The pass rush, I think, will continue to get better. They start to get more pressure. Maybe more sacks will come. The turnovers have, have you know they were right, they kept on saying when they had no takeaways early in the year that they would come in bunches now they're starting to come in bunches, and obviously uh, I, I don't think eli apple Eli Apple had a really tough game on Sunday, but I assume he's probably going to bounce back and you know the defensive backs have been playing well, but I think that safety spot you know if they could have a guy like a true center fielder like Darian Thompson on the field, I think there could be another big leap for this defense but I don't see the Giants bring anyone in who can do that. And, you know, we don't know when Thompson's going to be back for sure, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be something that's going to get fixed in a week. So I think that's what maybe the area they're going to be lacking in terms of that coverage and safety. Now, look, Andrew Adams has played really well, and I think Nat Berhe can definitely contribute as he gets back into the groove of things after being out for so long with a concussion. But I just think they don't have that true ball-hawking center field safety that I think would totally complement Collins perfectly. And if they don't have that, I don't know if there's a major leap to be done. But they definitely can improve.
2: And I'll I'll just jump in. I think the one thing we have to keep in mind, this was the worst defense in the NFL last year. It's not like they were missing a few pieces and you could see that this could come together. I mean, again, uh, we all said in the preseason, if they can just be a a top half, you know, get to that like 16 range, and and that's where they are, and obviously a little bit better than that scoring defense. But I think that's the biggest thing is uh, this was the worst defense in the NFL. That can't be overstated. So to come to the point now where they're winning games for this team, I mean, that's all you could ask for in the offseason. Anything else, I mean, if we're sitting at this point in the season saying, oh, you know, an injury has kind of left them short at one spot, I mean, I think anyone would have signed up for that in the preseason. So I think that's just important to to remember as we kind of grade things on a scale. I mean, this defense was rock bottom, and now it's not only credible, it's really kind of carried the team to a 5-3 and three record. Yeah, they have. And that's the good of
0: yesterday on Sunday against the Eagles in the win. The bad, obviously, and the news just came down, and I'm sure you guys uh, have it up and, and are talking about it, writing about it on NJ.com, and we will be over the next couple days to figure out what the Giants go from here. Justin Pugh goes out of that game. The injury looked really bad when it happened. Um, I think the Giants are probably lucky, and he's probably lucky it wasn't a season-ending season injury, but it does look and seem like Justin Pugh with the MCL is going to be out a little while here, James. So what's what's the latest we know about Justin Pugh, and, and really beyond that, do you think the Giants can get by without him for you know a significant portion of this second half?
1: Well, the latest is Ben McAdoo had a conference call with us a little bit before we got on the podcast. He said that Pew's going to be out for a little while, uh, some bit of time. He didn't go into s- speculating specific time frame. There are reports that it's probably looking at about three to four weeks, which is you know probably the best case scenario for the Giants because seeing it live and watching the replay, it did not look good. So they they went with Brett Jones at left guard after Pew left against the Eagles. Maku said they're going to evaluate all their options. My guess is that since it's they believe a, a relatively short term injury, you know, about a month or so, they hope. My guess is that they'll stick with what they have on the roster. I, I mean, obviously, I, I don't know if they're going to go out and add someone. I mean, there are some options out there, but you know, again, when you get to mid season, you know, guys who are not on teams, they're not on teams for a reason usually. So they can stick with Jones at left guard. They could move Bobby Hart from right tackle to left guard or, you know, put him at right guard and put John Jerry at left guard. And they could put Marshall Newhouse back at right tackle. They also could potentially, Will Beatty, who, you know, has kind of been this, you know, forgotten guy that hasn't really done much after he was all this, you know, much ballyhooed signing right before the season started. He worked out some at guard last year when he was trying to come back on the, from the pup list. Obviously that didn't work out. He never played last year, but Maybe they try to revive that experiment, put him at guard. You know, they also have veteran Adam Geddes, who can play guard and center and tackle on the practice squad. So I think they have they have multiple options available to them on their roster. I just think the big question is one, who they feel the best players, and two, how much do they really want to shuffle up the line? Because the way I look at it is if if you feel Jones is is serviceable and he played pretty well against the Eagles, I think you just stick with him. Or at worst, you just would take Hart and put him at left guard, and you would put Newhouse at right tackle. Because I mean, if you wanted to start, oh, well, you're going to put Newhouse at right tackle and Hart at right guard, and then Jerry from right guard to left guard. I just think you're you're creating you're mixing up too many things, and you're weakening your offensive line. You're you're kind of creating chaos. So I think the best case scenario for the Giants is if they feel Brett Jones can do it, go with that. Maybe add Gettys to the back of the roster as a reserve center in case there's an emergency, but or go with Newhouse at right tackle and put hard at left guard. I think those are the two best options available to the Giants.
0: Dan, your thoughts on Pugh and and if they could get by without him here.
2: Yeah, I mean, I thought Brett Jones stepped in and did well. I mean, it's one of those deals where you're talking about interior linemen and you're watching the game live. As long as you don't notice them, they're probably doing all right. I mean, obviously – He didn't come in, and they started ripping off 10-yard runs because that's just, you know, I don't think that's going to happen no matter who you put in there um, for whatever reason with this team. But, yeah, I thought he was fine. I mean, I think they can get by with him. I mean, James brought up some interesting, uh, you know, kind of configurations they can play around with, which is something I really hadn't considered because it it seems like they're so into Bobby Hart at right tackle, but he did work at guard in in the summer, and it would seem like it wouldn't be that big of an adjustment um, if you want to get your five best on the field. You might say, well, Marshall Newhouse is our sixth best offensive lineman, so put him at right tackle and, and bump Hart inside. But again, I don't know if you want to mess with what's kind of working as far as what Hart's doing. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle it. I do think though that if it's you know if it's a couple of weeks, I, I think you know I feel comfortable with what I saw from Brett Jones to to roll him out there. I
1: should also mention I don't know if he's really done it in his career, but but Newhouse is a guy who probably could play guard too if they wanted to go that way. I, I would assume that would probably be lower on their list of options, but. They also could do that.
0: They could. That would give them another possibility there as they try to fill in for Pugh as the next, we'll see, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, whatever it will be for Justin Pugh on the offensive line. All right, as we look at this game and we move it forward a little bit here to the next couple games moving forward, the one thing that I think every Giants fan out there, James, takes for granted or we just, you know, everyone just kind of assumes a base level of play after all these years is from Eli Manning. And, And yesterday on Sunday... It had basically everything an Eli Manning game usually does with some big plays, a turnover possibly, uh, ultimately a lot of big numbers, and another healthy start. I mean, it's crazy to look up, and they kept showing this on Fox during the game uh, while you guys were there. I mean, where he ranks now in the NFL all-time in some passing categories. I mean, he's seventh now all-time in touchdown passes, ninth all-time in passing yards, eighth in fourth-quarter comebacks. He has the third-longest Active uh, consecutive game streak, well, the longest active, but the third longest ever for a consecutive game streak. After watching him uh, for the first half again, and you know, at an advanced age after a contract, just your thoughts on Eli and, and what he just does every week, James?
1: He gives him a chance to win every week. I think, with the exception of the Green Bay game, where I thought he was really poor, he, he gives him a chance to win, and I think that's all they can ask for. I think you're right. The stats are very impressive. I also think that you know when he, I so he, I believe he passed Vinny Testaverdi yesterday for passing yards. He did, yep. Okay, well, I mean, Fran,
0: I think Fran Tarkenton might be up next. He's he's climbing these all these lists.
1: I mean, I, I'm I don't want to you know slander Vinny Testaverde, but I mean, I don't think anyone's itching to put Vinnie in Canton these days. So, I mean, I think some of these stats you got to kind of say, well, okay, well, he just passed Vinny Testaverdi. Vinny Testaverdi's in the top ten. So, you know how how majestic is this stat group that he's in
0: right these are but, these are more like longevity stats yeah i think play, yeah. you play this long this many games yeah
1: i mean look that that's probably the biggest thing that eli has ever done for the giants beyond you know winning two super bowls he's there every day he's steady he's healthy he takes hits he gets back up you know you know with the giants obviously with ryan Nassib battling a sore elbow and, and josh johnson you know that's the most quarterback intrigue I think the Giants have had in, like, years, is that who is going to be the backup quarterback against the Eagles, Josh Johnson or, or Ryan Nassif? I mean, the Giants are incredibly fortunate. They do not have to do, worry about their quarterback. And when they go to the, the NFL draft, the combine, the senior Bowl, and all these teams are like the Eagles with Howie Roseman. I mean, Howie and Doug, like, their whole future is tied onto Carson Wentz making it. The Giants don't have to sit there and worry about, oh, well, this kid's got to make it or we're all fired because they've had their kid for 13 years now, and he, he's never he's always there. He always answers the bell. So I think that's Eli's biggest benefit to the Giants is that he's there every day. He's a steady face of the franchise. They don't have to ever really worry about quarterback drama. And someday, you know, he'll, his career will end, and they'll suddenly realize, wow, that was really, we had it good for however long he stays.
0: Yeah, it is true. I mean, it's an amazing run he's been on here. Uh, and the Giants continue to have it with him. So, Dan, before the show today, you threw out a question on Twitter for some uh, some feedback from listeners, what they wanted to have us talk about. And the one thing that was asked, that we uh, discussed here on this episode, was about Paul Perkins. And I saw you had a post on NJ.com about the snap counts and kind of a youth movement. Now, as usual, the Giants didn't run the ball very effectively, but it wasn't hard to see uh, 11 carries for Paul Perkins. And a lot of those carries, at least ones that stood out to me late in that game, as the Giants tried to finish it, Perkins was the guy with the ball. What do we read into that?
2: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think the torch has been passed, the guard is changing, whatever cliche you want to use. I mean, the fact that he got those fourth-quarter carries, I think, says a lot more than even the fact that he and Rashad Jennings both had 11 carries. The fact that they trusted him. Uh, with the game on the line, especially a guy who, you know, had a little bit of a fumbling problem in the preseason. Uh, I mean, I think it just comes down to me. He is a far superior runner. I I don't understand how anyone can watch him run with the ball and watch Rashad Jennings run with the ball and even think it's close. I mean, if you're going to say Rashad Jennings has to still play because he knows the offense better, better pass protection, yada, yada, yada. I'll buy that to an extent. But the position's running back. You need to give the ball to the guy who is better running with it. It seems pretty simple, right? Uh, there, was a, there was a play yesterday where he took a toss sweep that I promise you – and I don't mean to dump on Rashad Jennings. He's had a good career and he's a great teammate and yeah, all that good stuff. But there's no way he gets – I think you know Perkins got 12 yards or so on the carry, 14 yards maybe on the carry. Jennings probably gets two, three. I mean Perkins just has that extra little bit of wiggle and, and elusiveness that you need. Again, he's not – these guys aren't running behind the Cowboys offensive line where there's just gaping holes and maybe a, a hard-charging guy like Jennings uh, would be really effective. You need to make something happen when there isn't a lot of room. And again, I just don't think it's close. I mean, Jennings kind of puts the head down uh, and just kind of barrels straight ahead. doesn't really show any vision uh, or really any explosiveness. And I think that's what Perkins has. Now, at the end of the day, Perkins didn't have a great line yesterday, 11 carries for 32 yards. I mean, again, a lot of these carries up the middle are just getting swallowed up. And and Barry Sanders couldn't have done anything with them. But you still got to look to... When you, when you watch the film, who is the more uh, effective player, who can make more out of something, or make more out of nothing in a lot of cases. And I just think it's slam dunk is Paul Perkins. So, uh, yeah, he has to keep studying up, get all the pass protections down, all that you know stuff that's tough for a rookie running back. But as the season goes on, I don't see any reason why uh, the carries will not continue to shift more away from Jennings and more to Perkins.
0: All right, guys, as we look forward here, obviously we'll, we'll get to the Bengal game in particular in a second, but just the second half, As a whole, five and three, we already kind of said, you know, the Giants have a lot in front of them here, including maybe chasing the Cowboys down from behind to catch them for the NFC East lead. But from each of you, as you look forward, you've watched this team for eight games. We're at the literal midway point of the Giants season as we go into week 10 here. How good can the Giants be this season? James, we'll start with you, then we'll go to Dan on the same same type of question. I mean, what's their ceiling after watching them and seeing what they have and, and just kind of imagining them moving forward here if they can reach whatever that ceiling is
1: so when you say ceiling you mean like a a specific point in the playoffs i think they can reach
0: uh let's go with just how good you think they could be and then what that would mean in terms of uh, i guess the landscape of the nfc
1: i think they can win the nfc east i mean i I, it's not going to be easy they're going to have to catch the cowboys the cowboys are going to have to come back to earth a little bit beyond that it's i just i don't think this team is built to have a deep run into the playoffs just because they the turn you know they don't take the ball away a lot they they have been turnover prone they don't run the ball well they are susceptible to the pass you know they are i think the 23rd ranked defense in the league but they're top 10 against the rush they're 25th against the pass and that's that's a big issue that they've got to start working on you know they don't. They have an okay pass rush. I mean, you know, I know people are complaining about. You know, don't look at the sacks. Look at the pressures, and that's fine. And they do have pressures, but they don't have an overwhelming amount of them. So I, yeah, I think this this is a team that definitely can win a wild card if everything falls right for them. Maybe they can overtake the Cowboys in this down the stretch and win the East. But beyond that, I, I just don't see this team. You know, going to Seattle or you know. If Minnesota or Green Bay get their ship righted going there or or even beating a team like that might come on strong like the Panthers or the Cardinals, I just I just think this is a team that can make the playoffs, maybe win the division. But beyond that, I don't think that they would be around long just because I just don't think they're built and they're functioning the way you need to function to win in January.
0: Dan, for you, when you look at this team, second half about to begin for them in terms of the schedule, how good could they be? How, how, how good can this team get and where would that lead them?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, you know they've, they've shown a lot. Of, they sh- they showed me a lot yesterday. I thought that was a game that uh, you know was very important, and it was a game that they lost. I think it would be easy to kind of dismiss them as oh, uh, you know, kind of the same old Giants that have been the last few years. But uh, pulling that game out and the way they did, uh, and uh, that that, that kind of elevated their ceiling a bit in my mind. I think winning the division will be tough only because the Cowboys have kind of you know raced out to such a big lead. But again, they get that matchup in December, and already having one win in the bank, um, you know, certainly doesn't rule it out, but as this team has shown, it doesn't really matter what your record is going into the playoffs. Um, I don't think that this is a Super Bowl caliber team right now. At the same time, you probably didn't think that the two years they won it in you know, the past decade so at this point in the season. So uh, you know again, I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but you just look around the NFC. Who scares you? I mean, again, James makes a good point. Going on the road will be tough. So winning the division and, and you know getting a couple games at home would go a, a long, long way, obviously. But there just isn't Really, any dominant teams in the NFC? I mean, the one dominant team, you know, the Giants beat, granted, you know, a long time ago. But uh, you know, the Vikings—that that looked like a dominant team when the Giants went in there, you know, kind of got their butts kicked, and, and they've crashed back to earth. I mean, there's just a lot of flawed teams in this NFC that I don't know if you get in the dance. I mean, you could certainly, uh, you know, upset an Atlanta Falcons. They don't, you know, they don't really scare me. Uh, wouldn't be easy. But, yeah, I mean, I think that they could certainly make a run. I'm not predicting that, but if you're asking me ceiling, I think they could, you know, win a game or two in the playoffs. I I don't think that they're – again, I don't think they're, you know, going to be in the Super Bowl, but I I wouldn't rule it out just because, again, this NFC uh, really hasn't impressed me very much this season.
0: Uh, Let's look forward to Monday night. Next week the Giants will be on Monday Night Football in Week 10 against the Cincinnati Bengals at home. Uh, Of the upcoming stretch, which we talked about to start this show, this is the one for me where I feel like the Giants have to really – you know, button up and make sure they're not looking ahead. I almost feel like they could kind of roll out of bed and beat the Bears and Browns, and you don't really do that against any NFL team. But th- those might be two of the three or four closest teams you could do that to. You can't do that against the Bengals. They're three, four, and one coming off the tie in London against the Redskins, off a of bye. I mean, they've been in the playoffs year in, year out for many years now. They're, they're, they struggled in their first half. They have to get going. I don't think this is going to be an easy game for the Giants and. I think they really got to to play well to win. James, just early thoughts on the Bengals, the matchup, and uh, kind of a weird season that they're having right now.
1: Uh, Two words for you Tyler Eifert. Because we saw what Zach Ertz did against the Giants on Sunday. Obviously, the Bengals have Eifert, the big tight end. They've got Tyler Croft, the Rutgers kid. I think that's going to be the big matchup again. And if they get Eifert going, the Giants are in serious trouble. And unlike the Eagles, the Bengals have a lot more firepower all across the ball than the Eagles do. So this is a really, really tough game for the Giants. I think it's a game they're going to be favored in. There's going to be a lot of emotion in the stadium. Ring of Honor, Tom's going to be back. So you know, that's going to be interesting to see how they do. But look, I, you know, we've talked about this, and we talked about this a earlier in the season when they played the Vikings, played the Packers. It's been a long time since the Giants have beat a really good football team that's not in their division. It's been over four years, I think. This is their chance, and I know the Bengals are under five hundred. But I think if they can beat the Bengals on Monday night, this would qualify as a significant victory over a significant opponent, which is something this team hasn't done in a long time.
0: No, it has been a long time. And as I'm looking at it now, the, you know the early odds on this game: Giants opening as about two and a half point favorites. Which I guess that means, in the eyes of Vegas, this is a pretty even game. Because usually, you know, the home team. As that little three-point cushion, Dan? What do you think early on? We got a week to go until this game, but just your early thoughts on this matchup?
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel like I say this every week. I think it's a big measuring stick game because, again, you know, good teams find a way to win these games at home uh, against a team that's pretty similar in talent level. Uh, obviously, record's a little bit worse than the Giants, but. Uh, and if they lose it, I don't think it would be the end of the world because listen, I don't think anyone expects this team to win you know eight games in a row, or go on some crazy run. But they've won three in a row. It's a chance to really build some momentum again with some really soft games coming up after this. So uh, it, it would be a huge win. Uh, I personally, I don't know. I just look at the matchup, and I haven't really, you know, I don't have any real science behind this. I got a bad feeling about it. I just think it, it it's the type of game where things are starting to get high, and I just wouldn't be shocked if. Uh, they kind of crash back to earth a little bit. I mean, just you look at the Bengals, uh, I think that they're, they're a talented team. Uh, and I just, I just, something about it. Again, it's early in the week, so don't hold me to it just yet. But I, I don't have a great feeling about this one for the Giants. And, and again, I don't think it would doom the season if they lose this game. Uh, but I just have a feeling that the Bengals might come in here and uh, kind of pull off an upset when things are really starting to ride high. Well, would,
0: that's the NFL, right? You get too high and you come crashing back down. Go ahead, James.
2: I would say, Dan's right,
1: this wouldn't doom their season. It, I think it would make it a heck of a lot easier to kind of navigate what's coming because, look, I, I don't know about you guys. I think if, if the Giants beat the Bengals on Monday night, I think it would be their biggest win of this It would be the biggest win
2: they've had since I've been on the beat for sure. What,
1: what would you guys say?
2: Uh, uh, that Cowboys game is tough to put in perspective. I mean. It- it gets a little diminished because it was the opener, but at the same time, I mean, the team won every other game, so I think that, you know you got to give them some credit for that one. I think uh, I don't know if the Bengals would would measure up, but I guess we'll we'll see what happens. At least the Giants see the Cowboys again, but yeah, I think you can't totally throw that win out when they've been kind of steamrolling the rest of the league.
0: It's almost like we didn't realize how big that Cowboys win was, right? You know, in the moment. Now you look back, it's like wow, they, they're the only team to beat the Cowboys this year. I'll say this, and anyone could get upset. The Giants could be that team that gets upset, but. If they win this game Monday night, they're six and three with games against the Bears and the Browns coming up. Like the idea of the Giants being eight and three heading into December and looking like a lock for the NFC playoffs, like that's contingent on this win. And I know there's more that has to happen, but people will talk about them that way if they win this game. So it could change the entire perception of who they are and uh, this season, guys. As always, thanks for doing this. Enjoy the week. We'll be back uh, after a primetime game next Monday night. Thanks, James.
1: You got it, Joe. Thank you.
0: And thanks to you for doing this, Dan.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot, Joe.
0: Thanks to all of you for listening, reaching out with questions, of course, leaving us ratings on iTunes. We'll be back next week for another episode of Talk is Cheap right here on NJ.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere you listen to podcasts. uh, You can subscribe and listen and be part of the show. Talk to you guys next week.